We are talking Tennessee Titans on today's Peacock and Williamson and really trying to answer the question, who the heck are the Tennessee Titans in 2023? Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock, no Matt Williamson today. I am back in my home studio. Matt Williamson still on vacation, but I've got some fantastic guests lined up to end the week as we begin our season previews, our training camp previews for teams around the NFL and bring in some help from around the network, some of the talented hosts right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By the way, thanks for making us your first listen. Your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers. Make sure you're subscribed up on the Peacock and Williamson YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts and make sure you're subscribed up to Locked on Titans as well. And my esteemed guest today, the host of Locked on Titans at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter, Mr. Tyler Roland. Tyler, thanks for jumping on the show today and, and maybe helping me figure out what this team is doing right now in Tennessee heading into 2023. Yeah, well, I'm trying to figure it out as well. So maybe we can brainstorm together and kind of see, uh, what they're doing, but thanks for having me on. Big shoes to fill with with Matt Williamson, who obviously is one one of the goats here. So, uh, it, man, that intro just always gets me fired up. Happy uh, to see that intro play and know that that I got to deliver after it, though. So, a lot of pressure, but I'm ready to go. I love it. I love all the intros every time because like it's kind of a little different music for all the shows. And when I'm a right, guest on the right. show, I'm like, okay, yeah, get me in the zone, get my mind right. right. Uh, and I love how you put it before we went on. If, if anyone wonders how to pronounce Tyler's last name correctly, it's like Rocky <laughs> Roland. Okay. So we're, we're yeah. bringing the, uh, the energy today, arena rock style on Peacock and Williamson. Uh, Tyler. So yeah. So I'm glad you're confused as well. So I was like, am I, am I crazy? I can't figure out like exactly what this team is, is trying to do right now. And I'm, I'm calling them the soft rebuilders. And tomorrow I'm talking with Ross Jackson. Uh, who's a big part of this network, Locked on Saints, and I want to talk Vikings as well. I think those are probably the three teams at the top of my list where, and I think the Saints, Saints have been doing this for a while, but mm-hmm. um, you know, new to this is is sort of the Titans and uh, and the Vikings and trying to figure out what they're doing. So just big picture here, Mike Vrabel not trying to lose games, right? So is this team in it to win it right now? Well, I think that, that's been a big debate within the fan base uh, throughout the offseason. Should the Titans go full rebuild? go towards youth, uh, maybe consider letting go, either trade or release some of these high-priced veterans that they have. Uh, Obviously, that would result in less wins, but from where the Titans are at, less wins may ultimately be a win. I'm somebody who thought it was in their best interest to lose that game to Jacksonville, and I think that turned out the best for the Titans. They were able to get a blue-chip player in Peter Skaronsky, who they would not have been able to get if they were later in the draft. So uh, the Titans are definitely in a spot and what they should do is something that's been debated, but it's pretty obvious what they are doing is trying to thread the needle. They're signing Andre Dillard. Really, it's a two-year deal worth about $20 million. Arden Key, really a two-year deal, $14 million. They bring in Daniel Brunskill on a one-year deal. Sean Murphy Bunting on a one-year deal. What they're doing is they're trying to bring in players who maybe were backup players or rotational players at other teams who have performed well in those roles and give them the opportunity to be a starter while also not giving out any real money. Like they would rather give a two-year, $10 million deal to Andre Dillard and see what happens 
rather than go out and actually answer the problem with a Jawan Taylor or Orlando Brown, who are free agents as well. Just examples, not those players specifically, but examples of what they could have done. Mike McGlinchey, they didn't want to give out any long-term financial commitments. They wanted to take low-risk, high-upside shots on guys in free agency, and then the draft makes it even more confusing because they have three picks in the first three rounds, and two of them they spend on quarterback and running back, which you already have your two best players on offense in Tannehill and Henry. So if you're trying to go all out for a last dance season with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, who are in the last years of their contracts, it's hard to argue that they've put them in a position to succeed when you look at the rest of the roster and the, the minimal risk that they took to actually solve any problems. And you look at wide receiver, maybe they add Hopkins, but my God, right now that is by far one of the bottom three wide receiver groups in the league. So they're trying to thread this needle where they don't hurt themselves in the future financially while drafting Levis, drafting Spears, also with an eye towards the future, but they're selling us that they're trying to win and they didn't let go of Tannehill and they didn't trade Henry yet and they didn't get rid of Kevin Byard. And it, it's like, I keep saying all, all season, they're trying to walk down two paths and when you do that, typically you only walk down the wrong one. So for me, this all season has been trying to thread the needle. And I think the reality is the first six games of the year before they go into their bye week in week seven, if they're two and four, then they have to sell, sell, sell and give up and do what I think they should have done from the start of the all season and commit to the future. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry led Tennessee Titans are winning nothing of consequence in the NFL, especially with the roster around them. So they're trying to thread that needle of prioritizing the future while still fielding a competitive team. But Brian, you know, just like I know, they're only setting themselves up for purgatory in the NFL, which is not good enough to win the Super Bowl and not bad enough to get a high enough pick to fix the team. So I think they're making a critical mistake here, but it's obvious what they're trying to do. And I just don't think it's the right move. And it's rough even if you end up selling at the deadline, maybe trading all those guys you mentioned, Bayard and right. uh, Derrick Henry, I think is, is going to be one of the hottest names mm -hmm. when it comes time at, at the trade deadline. Maybe even Ryan Tannehill if the team needs a quarterback, although, you know, contracts right. injuries pretty tough to sell during the middle of the season like that. And even at this point right. in the season, it's kind of over as far as selling big contracts to teams because they, they've already, you know, they're already filled up in, in that category. Um, right. So even if that happens, though, do you win too many games to really put you in position for, you know, one of those top, top quarterbacks in next year's draft, which leads us to a conversation about these quarterbacks that are currently on the roster. But, yeah, it, it feels like it's almost too late at that point and, and that they didn't commit. But mm -hmm. at the same time, they're a good enough team to win some games. And Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. And it's it's like that um, it's like that that purgatory team where you know yep. they're gonna they're gonna be drafting in the teens again that's just the way it feels like for me because 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 Vrabel's too good of a coach and he's too competitive and, yes. and that's probably why they can't do the the full rebuild and commit yep. to that because nobody wants to lose and they probably and, and I think all 32 teams and probably all 32 fan bases to a point are guilty of this is at this point in the offseason everybody thinks they got better everybody thinks they are contenders and we know in reality some of them are not yeah, I, I think that's just, in the NFL, you're selling winning or you're selling hope. Um, and, and I think right now, the Titans are trying to sell winning. And if you're a realistic person looking at them, it's hard, it's hard to buy that, you know, as a Super Bowl contender. But on the positive side of things, I tend to be pessimistic. It's just in my nature. But on the optimistic side of things, Mike Vrabel is, is a hell of a coach. And I think he's a top 10 coach in the NFL. And he will maximize the roster. 
if some of the Titans' free agent moves, like Andre, the Titans had the worst offensive line in the NFL by the end of the year last year. If you improve that a little bit, you still have Derrick Henry. who went for 1,500 yards with a terrible offensive line. You still have Derrick Henry. If they were to add DeAndre Hopkins, that's why I think it is imperative that they make that move and they find a way to get Hopkins because if you add Hopkins, now you could sell me on an 11-win Titans team, get into the tournament, and you never know. You never know. What could happen once you get into the tournament with injuries to other teams and things like that? So as long as they have Mike Vrabel, they're never going to tank. I think he's too proud. His ego gets in the way. I think Mike Vrabel is, like I said, top 10 coach. But one of his downsides is definitely his ego. And he thinks that he's right. He stole the play calling duties away from Dean Pease in the 2019 AFC Championship game in the second half because he thought what was right. You Go back to him as a uh, DC for the Texans. In 2017, they were the worst defense in the NFL. So, Vrabel's ego gets him into trouble. I think it's getting him into trouble here. But from an optimistic standpoint, if the Titans hit on some free agent stuff, their rookies do make an impact other than Will Levis, of course. I I think the Titans could win the division again, and who knows what happens in the tournament. But I just think that's incredibly unlikely. They need too many things to break right for that to happen. And it would have been a smarter move just to commit to the future, release Tannehill, save the money, trade Henry, trade Bayard, Go with your young guys. Use those draft picks. Stock up more draft picks for the future years. That was the easy way to go. And unfortunately, it's just Mike Vrabel would never allow that to happen. So hopefully Vrabel can maximize things. But it's tough to do with that roster if you look at it up and down. Yeah, I I can start to buy that story. Threading that needle that you talked about. Mm -hmm. You add DeAndre Hopkins, Tannehill, Henry, stay healthy. The division is not that good. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the new Los Angeles Chargers, and the Chargers are the new Buffalo Bills. It's just the way that we go as a media cycle. Everybody loves Jacksonville, but with Josh Dobbs and 34 players on injured reserve, the Titans were one bad fumble call away from going to the playoffs and beating everybody's darling and Trevor Lawrence. So to to me, the the division is still wide open. Jacksonville is a good team, but they're not not the juggernaut that people want them to be yet, and it leaves an opening for the Titans if things go well. For them to get into the tournament. And again, once you get into the tournament, you never know what what could happen. All right, next, we got to talk about those quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, Malik Willis. Is there even a competition Mm -hmm. in training camp for those Tennessee Titans? With Tyler Rowland next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Baseball season, it's here. And new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 at FanDuel. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. I love betting baseball. It's every day. Baseball is the soundtrack to summer. I grew up playing baseball. I, I'm more of a baseball fan than I am a football fan at this point. I'm, I'm way much more analyst when it comes to football than a fan. Go Reds. Baseball. It's, yeah, go Giants, go Reds. I'm cool with that too. But it's every day. I love it. And you can bet on so many ways. Build your own parlays at FanDuel. The website is so easy to use, safe and secure. I love building parlays and look at all the different ways you can bet on not only baseball, but I mean, the NBA draft is coming up. The season just ended. You can still bet on the NBA. You can still bet on tons of NFL futures for the 2023 season. Most weeks lines are already up at FanDuel for the NFL. So don't miss your chance to snag that no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just vo- just join FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 
All right, here we go, Tyler. Uh, let, let's talk quarterbacks here. Everyone talks about quarterbacks. They're they're sexy. They're the sexy position. Will Levis looks good with his shirt off. Uh, how how good does he look in in shorts at OTAs at minicamp? How do you feel about that Levis pick going up in the second round to get him and and going Skaronski in round one during the draft for the Titans? Well, I love the Skaronski pick. That was somebody I was a big fan of going forward or going into the draft. And for me, what it came down to is the Titans get the 11th pick. They need to add a blue chip player. The problem with the Titans the last few years is they've missed on a lot of their first round draft picks. Isaiah Wilson, obviously a historic bust there, but even Caleb Farley, Dylan Radins in the second round in 2021, the Titans have put themselves in a position because of the purgatory that we talked about where they're drafting 18 to 25, somewhere in there, and you miss out on all the blue chip prospects, and it leaves you to either reach for a guy with talent who has some warts to him, or go safe and go with a guy who's really a second round talent, but you just feel comfortable with him, which maybe isn't the right way to maximize your first round picks either, so where the Titans have finished in recent years has put them in a position to have to take those risks with their first round pick, so to me, I love the Skaronsky pick. It was boring. It was a snoozer. Oh, guard, tackle, offensive line. He's not a flashy guy in himself. So um, I, I know that people maybe didn't notice that pick, but I think that was a fantastic pick for the Titans for where they were at and the way the board fell. As for Levis, I got to tell you, I, w- I wasn't a big fan of Levis coming into the draft. Uh, for a guy who's as old as he is, I mean, Will Levis is older than Trevor Lawrence. I think he's right there. Um He's a guy who still needs development. And one of the big um, pluses of Will Levis for the Titans was pro-style system. Liam Cohen, the OC, the Rams guy, Sean McVay's guy. He's got familiarity going under center, play action offense, the wordy play calls, all of that. Great. But if you're not going to play him week one, if you're not going to play him from the jump and he's got to develop still because of his lower body mechanics being so out of whack, no touch throws, only bullets, It just doesn't make sense to take a quarterback that old that needs that much development and then sit him on the bench, too. Like, it just, none of that makes sense to me. And to me, it was Mike Vrabel wants Will Levis. So we're going to do whatever we got to do to go get Will Levis again. Mike Vrabel's ego will be his undoing at the end of it all. We'll look back and, and, and see that. But for me, Levis is a guy who he could, his ceiling is what, Ryan Tannehill right now? And you trade a third round pick in next year's draft to do it. So if you look at Malik Willis in the third round of 2022, Will Levis in the second round of 2023, and then you gave up a third round to get Willis or to get Levis in 2024, you have given up three top three round picks in three straight drafts to get two quarterbacks who neither are obvious options and answers for the future when the next draft includes Caleb Williams and Drake May and multiple other quarterbacks that look to be better prospects than both these guys, hand down, hands down. So I think the Levis pick was a complete head-scratcher. I would love to be wrong about that. But Levis has been outperformed by Malik Willis throughout the first month of OTAs. Now, it's the first month of OTAs. Jamar Chase couldn't catch in the first month of OTAs. We've seen these reports about rookies that have just turned into absolute nonsense. It's OTAs. But at the end of the day, if you would have told me what we saw from Malik Willis last year and then what we were sold on Will Levis, I would tell you I'm shocked 
that Malik Willis outperformed Will Levis, even if he's a rookie and it's OTAs. So Levis hasn't got off to the best start. The last open OTAs to the media for the Titans, he threw three interceptions. Now there were passes. It's not all his fault, but even if it's just OTAs, Levis has not given you the type of performance that you would have hoped to see from your rookie coming out for someone who people think should be the backup quarterback this year and getting outperformed by Malik Willis, who I'm still not sold as an NFL player. That's concerning to me, and all the reports are the same. Inaccuracies, throwing the ball too high, only can throw rockets, doesn't have touch on his throws. So to me, the Titans have just made a brutal miscalculation here where they should be tanking this season, prioritizing the future, setting themselves up to get Caleb Williams or Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. What they've done in free agency and keeping Tannehill and Henry and all them will prevent them from having a high enough pick to even think about doing that. And at the same time, they're going to, leave the 2024 draft with Malik Willis and Will Levis. And it's just, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel for the Titans because they're so bullish on Mike Vrabel trying to win games. His ego is just ruining what should be an easy rebuild for the Titans with some solid pieces around him. So the the quarterback, and to answer your question, this is not a competition in any way. Tannehill is leaps and bounds higher than both these guys, which... Again, you gave up three picks in three straight years to get these two quarterbacks for them to be absolutely embarrassments compared to Tannehill, who's what, a top 20 QB at max? It it, it just, Titans fans will color it however they want to, but it, it it's truly pretty scary right now if you're a Titans fan looking at the future. <laughs> I love this because you have a cynical mind like I do, Tyler. And hearing you say some of these things, I thought you were going to try to paint a rosier picture of what's going on in Tennessee, but I see it very similar there. Yeah, you're you're trying to get starters on that date. I acknowledge the optimism. You know, like I said earlier, there are ways where this could work out, but that needle has to thread such a small area to do that that only Mike Vrabel could convince himself that it's possible. Anybody who is not a Tennessee Titans fan would tell you exactly what I'm telling you right now. Only Titans fans would argue against it. So I think that that should be a pretty alarming thing that no one else in the NFL thinks this team is anywhere close to a Super Bowl contender or a good playoff team. And the Titans are telling you they are, while most people think they're a bottom five team in the NFL. So we're going to get our answers, but I got to tell you, I, I lean to the rest of the NFL's opinion that the Titans are doing this all wrong and they're they're just too cocky for their own good. And I think that all comes from Mike Vrabel. And Vrabel clearly won the power struggle there. I, I always go back to that 2022 draft Absolutely. in that live camera feed of him yes. in the draft room. And they trade away yes. AJ Brown. I was like, oh, he is not happy with this. And they tried to sell you, the owner tried to say, oh, no, we didn't fire John Robinson because AJ Brown whooped us live in 4K in front of us. No, that, that wasn't why we did it. Are you kidding me? Are you going to pee on my head and tell me it's raining too? I mean, give me a break, man. They clearly. Mike Vrabel got destroyed by his favorite player of all time that he ever coached, who he said publicly will never trade A.J. Brown as long as I'm coach. John Robinson made him look like a fool in public, and then A.J. Brown made him look like fools live in 4K, again, and live and live in color. And Mike Vrabel went straight to the owner and said, it's either me or it's him. I'm not going to stand here and stand for this. It's so obvious what happened, and people in Tennessee try to color it in a way that it's not that because it feels better if it's not that divisive. But that's obviously what happened here. And Mike Vrabel hired a yes man as general manager who is very talented. And I think he's qualified to be a GM. But it's obvious Mike Vrabel picked the guy who's going to do what he says. And Carthon has even said in multiple opportunities, 
I am here to pick the players that Mike Vrabel wants. Mike Vrabel is fully in charge, and that could be good or could be very bad for Tennessee going forward. Last one real quick here, and because you, you kind of painted the picture of some of the additions on the offensive line, and mm-hmm. that this is the last bit that I can't put together. Derrick Henry is a, a certain style of running back, and, and he's right. phenomenal. But you bring in Rand Carthon from San Francisco, and you know the scheme that the San Francisco 49ers run on offense and a lot of outside Absolutely. zone. Then bringing in athletic offensive linemen, one of them from San Francisco and Daniel Brunskill, Andre Dillard. You know, mm-hmm. Skaronsky can run any scheme. Are we going to see a little right. bit more wide zone? I got to tell you, Brian, I think it's the opposite of that. The Titans had the Shanahan playbook with the Shanahan terminology with a ton of wide zone, mid zone, inside zone, things like that. And now what they're doing is they hired or promoted Tim Kelly to be their offensive coordinator, who is a, a Bill O'Brien disciple from his time in Houston. And now they're going to the playbook and the terminology that they use more in New England and that they were using more in Houston. And Mike Rabel is big on multiplicity. So Mike Rabel doesn't want to be so beholden to zone run that they don't have power run and man run and, and be able to attack teams in different ways. So I think the Titans are going to try to be a a multiple offense, which kind of converges all the different schemes we see in the NFL together at the same time, because Mike Rabel got tired of going with just a pure Arthur Smith outside zone, Shanahan style. He got tired of it and thought that teams were able to, teams were running 6 1. They were blitzing the line of scrimmage, even on early downs with reckless abandon. And if you hit Derrick Henry behind the line of scrimmage, it's going to be hard for him to get up to full speed and for him to break off those big chunk runs. Derrick Henry's yards per carry has dropped from 4.9, 5.1, 5.4 to the last two years, 4.3 and 4.4. He's still a great productive running back, but he's not hitting the long one, the big one, as much as he used to. I think part of that is Henry getting older, maybe slowing down a little bit, slight regression. Titans fans hate to hear it, but I think that's one area where it shows up. And if you don't give Derrick Henry a proper runway to get up to speed as he ages, it's going to be even harder. For him to do that. So they add Andre Dillard on the offensive line at left tackle, add in Peter Skaronsky, the rookie, add in Brunskill, move Aaron Brewer from left guard, where he was like the worst left guard in the NFL, to center, which fits his size. He's the smallest offensive lineman in the NFL, so center fits better. They got second-year player Nicholas Petit-Ferrer on right tackle. If the Titans' offensive line gets better, that's going to have a major impact on the offense, but it's going to impact Henry in a major way as well because he needs those runways as he gets older. He can't run through run uh, arm tackles the same way that he could during, you know, the 2018, 19, 20 seasons. Um, so for me, I, I I like Derrick Henry. I think he'll be fine. I think the offense, though, may be difficult for him because Henry doesn't have that change of direction and that agility that some of the top backs in the league have. And I think some of these gap runs and power runs require a little bit of that. That's why I think the pick of Tajay Spears in the third round, rookie running back out of Tulane, was more important than maybe people realize because he's going to get more carries than maybe people think and be more involved in the offense. So I know we aren't talking fantasy, but for anybody who plays fantasy, Tajay Spears, that's a sleeper for you that I think you'll be uh, having in your flex position by midseason. We do like to creep into the fantasy world. Matt Williamson does the uh, fantasy, uh, the Locked On Dynasty podcast as well. Right, so, right, right. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a good nugget there, Tyler. Appreciate you. We got to get you out of here, Tyler. Uh, thanks for all the insight on the Tennessee Titans, a fascinating team in 2023. Everybody go follow Tyler on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans and make sure you're subscribed up to Locked On Titans daily right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great season, Tyler. We'll talk to you again, hopefully, uh, sometime soon. Yep, thanks for having me on, Brian. All right, thanks again to Tyler Roland of Locked On Titans. And uh, thanks to all of the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Going to 
drop in a, a little bit of a, a Peacock and Williamson mailbag. I have some interesting questions and some feedback on our all-division teams next and, and some thoughts about what I just talked about with Tyler and those Titans coming up. All right, here we go. I got to fix the background. If you're watching on YouTube, get me uh, get me soloed up here. And where are we at? Is that one? I think that's what it's supposed to be. There we go. All right. It's just me now. No Matt Williamson, no guests. Get my name up on the screen. I like this. Look at the high-level production here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm pulling some strings back here behind the scenes. Uh, so uh, I don't know if Andre Dillard's a great fit for what um, – what Tyler just described there. And I wouldn't be shocked if, if the first rounder, if, if Skaronsky is just the best offensive lineman. So you put him at left tackle short arms, who cares? He's going to be a better player probably than Andre Dillard there. So I wouldn't be shocked at all. If, if Skaronsky playing some left tackle this year, even if he does settle into uh, to guard for his career. So that wouldn't shock me at all, but yeah, just kind of an interesting team in transition there with the uh, with the Tennessee Titans so fantastic knowledge from Tyler Rowland on all things Titans Tajay Spears yeah he was on my list for those for those fantasy leagues because you know how quickly the backup running back be- can become the starting running back as well and Derrick Henry's at that age you know you're in your late 20s once you're post you know once you're 27 years old or older the end comes so fast for NFL running backs. It, it's it's unfortunate a lot of times because he's so fun to watch and you know who knows maybe he's on another team by midseason as well so uh, I want to talk about the uh, the all division teams here. We've gotten a lot of feedback. I think the number one fan base that we ticked off the most in our all division teams was when we did the all North and the Cincinnati Bengals fans. Uh, we got a lot of feedback from Cincinnati Bengals fans, uh, specifically on on two spots. One calling Matt a homer because he went Deontay Johnson over picking another Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, but there was only a couple of those. What 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 we really saw the most was was leaving Logan Wilson linebacker off the list, taking Jeremiah Awusu Koromo on that team, and even leaving off Jermaine Pratt, who's more of a similar player to uh, JOK. Let me go to the uh, the Twitterverse here and Joel, who says, "I think y'all nailed the AFC North division team, but I have one bone to pick. I know I'm biased, but." Aren't Pratt and Wilson, who JOK wants to be when he grows up, they both had better testing than Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa and are good at football right now. And, and to be honest with you, it's a really good point. And, and, that, and we're trying to have some fun with these all-division teams and kind of project things out a little bit more and, and have some fun names and, if, and, and not be more of a, uh, you know, a pro bowl team from last year. We're trying to project what could look like in 2023. Now, uh, you know, I, I don't have the testing numbers in front of me, Jeremiah Usu Koromo. It's hard to find a more athletic guy than him, uh, watching him play on tape. Like he is just dynamic. And that's why I have so high hopes for Jeremiah Usu Koromo and developing in the NFL and what he can do as uh, kind of a do it all outside backer safety, you know, but it's hard because sometimes you uh, end up being so versatile that you are more of a tweener than a guy who can do everything. So he still has to take that next step. And if he does take that step, I'll take him over Pratt. But I, I agree that um, Pratt's kind of there already. And, and Logan Wilson's a really good player. And, and Logan Wilson probably deserved to be on our team because uh, even if Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa takes that next step and projecting him into 2023, he might not be better than those guys already anyway. So um, it's a good point. And, you know, um, and, and I like some of the feedback and, and I like Joel giving reasons as to why, because some fans are like, you're an idiot. I can't believe you didn't take my favorite team's guy. 
but they don't say why. It's like, give me a reason why we're idiots. Cause I'll buy that we're idiots sometimes, but you got to give me a good reason why. So appreciate Joel with the, uh, with the comment and the breakdown there as well. Uh, I appreciate all the listeners out there. I love the feedback. I love all the everydayers. It's so much fun here on Peacock and Williamson every single day. By the way, did you guys see this uh, stuff with Aaron Rodgers? And <laughs> uh, I've had a few people ask me about this and, and cause I, Aaron Rodgers, I went to school in, uh, I went to college at Butte College in uh, Chico or just outside of Chico, California. There's a there's a, a campus in Chico as well. But that's where Aaron Rodgers is from. And Aaron Rodgers went to Butte College before he went to Cal. And uh, I, I could have had a class with Aaron Rodgers and would have had no idea. I could have sat next to him because you know, I think we did overlap there for for a short second uh, uh, at, at Butte College. And. I didn't know who he, who he was. I didn't even know he went to Butte until I was like looking at this draft prospect from Cal. I was like, wait a second. He went to, he's from Chico. He went to Butte college. That's weird. Uh, and he, and he's a, like a good dude. He's done good things in the community. He's helped out small businesses. One of my friends owns a restaurant, a coffee shop, and he helped them out during the pandemic. Uh, he, a lot of people don't know that he, uh, you know, put out some records. He had a little record label going for a while and big music scene. I used to play in a lot of bands and, and, and played in one band a lot when I was in Chico and played in the, in the local music scene and, and had great fun there. So it's a really quirky, cool town. Uh, it, it's, it's a fun place to hang out and, and, uh, and party down if you're into that kind of thing as well. Uh, and it's just far enough removed. It's kind of in its own little world in Northern California. And, and maybe that's where, uh, that that's what sort of informed Aaron Rodgers' mind and and kind of being open to some other ideas to to put it nicely. But yeah, kind of dipping his toes into conspiracy theories and stuff. But he's talking about ayahuasca and how it's borderline performance enhancing. And he's in Denver talking with the um with the, at the I can't even remember the name of whatever the uh, the convention is that they're having there about you know about basically you know, drugs and psychoactive drugs and mushrooms. And he's like seeing the praises of these drugs. And, and I think there is some really good medicinal purposes to some, you know, some things that are, you know, natural organic substances that for a long time, you know, people were really afraid of and uh, tried to keep out of the hands of, of folks. And even though there are, you know, prescription drugs that are worse for you than some of these things, but you know, let's be smart about it too. And, uh, and it's, it's just, I don't know. I just want to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers, and it's, it's fascinating to see where he's gone in his career and, and where he's at now in New York and uh, Jordan Whitehead, jet safety said it's quote uh, the jet situation kind of the same as when tom brady came to the bucks it was kind of the same situation i fell into with the bucks because we had a great defense and now you drop a hall of fame quarterback into the mix so jordan whitehead's all about aaron Rodgers, and, and he's talking i mean when you hear him say that he's talking super bowl right that's what the bucks did with tom brady could could aaron Rodgers bring that to the jets and can that ayahuasca open his mind to, to have that sort of a year and be even a better version of Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. We'll find out in 2023. Uh, obviously, the Jets are another fascinating team here, adding Aaron Rodgers into the mix with so much talent, so much young talent on both sides of the ball there. Um, so, yeah, another fascinating one is Aaron Rodgers in the Jets season in 2023. There's no end to the storylines here in the NFL, man. Uh, the NFL is the gift that keeps on giving. We're in June, and there's plenty to talk about. Having so much fun breaking down the Titans with Tyler earlier, talking Aaron Rodgers and uh, and and, <laughs> and mushrooms and ayahuasca and the New York Jets and, and potential Super Bowls in New York, which is not a thing that I've talked about a lot in my lifetime. And tomorrow, 
on Peacock and Williamson. Matt Williams, Matt Williamson still out on vacation. He'll be back next week. But Ross Jackson will be my guest tomorrow talking Saints. And I have similar questions about the direction for the New Orleans Saints, but this is not like the Titans. This is this has been a long-term thing where they've been limping along and it's like rip the band-aid off. What, what are you doing, New Orleans Saints? Maybe Ross Jackson can shed some light on what the Saints are doing now. A little bit newer look, Saints, with Derek Carr now at quarterback coming up tomorrow. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.